We love kids here at Grace. We love kids. Every child is a gift. We celebrate kids. And there are about 20 families who have adopted kids here at Grace. And a reminder, we are all adopted by God into his family. We are all adopted sons and daughters. And uh, that's the truth from heaven. And then also we have the honor and opportunity to uh, bring people into our families, uh, into our forever families as well. Uh, There's also foster care. And I know one family at Grace has welcomed hundreds of kids into their family. Hundreds of kids. Amazing. And you think about the lives that are changed and generations that are changed. If this interests you, uh, go ahead on the connecting card. Just let us know. You can write Adoption, Olive Crest. Uh, you can write Foster Care. We'll follow up with you and get you whatever information you need uh, so you can learn more and pray about that opportunity. Uh, but it's exciting as a church family what God is doing. Also, uh, with kids, we're so grateful for everyone who's serving with the kids downstairs on Saturday nights. And now we're up and running. Uh, we will just continue to add more services as there's more volunteers uh, with the children downstairs. And also tomorrow, it's a kickoff for Next Gen. Middle school at 1045. We're starting that up again. And then high school, 630 tomorrow night. We're uh, thrilled to welcome back. It's been about eight months. Welcome back uh, with safety precautions and cleaning and social distancing and masks and all the other dot, dot, dot that we're, we're doing as well. But safety is important. It's also important to come together and, uh, and we're growing in our faith together during this season. Uh, We're in a series right now in the book of Genesis. If you brought a Bible with you, you can turn to Genesis chapter 24, Relationships Roadmap, going through the book of Genesis, a book of beginnings and foundations, and God speaking into our relationships. What was true then is true today. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the message tonight is, what is God's plan? Have you been thinking about that question recently? What is God's plan for you on an individual level? What about your family our church, our nation. What is God's plan? And this is an encouraging chapter. We're going to go through Genesis chapter 24, and we're really going to see what God can do. What can God do? And let's take a look at his plan together, uh, seeking him in prayer. Father God, we worship you. We thank you, God, that we are your family forever, literally forever. There's no end uh, to being in your presence and your love and your joy. Father, your word says that you are singing over us. You rejoice and you sing over us. We believe your word. We believe that you're singing over us with joy, that you care about us that much. We believe your word that if you are for us, who can be against us? We believe that, God. We believe that you also reveal plans for us, wonderful plans from heaven that involve our faith and our growth. And we want to uh, move forward together tonight. God, I pray that you would reveal who you are. Reveal your plans. We need your wisdom. Make it plain, God, so we could run with it. And we commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis chapter 24 is a love story. And this is unique because it's a story about Isaac and Rebekah, but Isaac really isn't in this chapter very much. And so we're reading about Isaac and Rebekah, a love story, but Isaac's not there very much, and then it takes a little while for Rebekah to enter in. And this points out to us that this love story is not just about Isaac and Rebekah. This is really a love story about God's love for us. And one of the words that's continued, one of the themes that's continued in this chapter is chesed. And uh, you can go ahead and say that if you want. You've got a mask on, so it's going to be contained. Chesed. And that's God's loyal love. His faithful love. That's the theme of this chapter. It's a theme in the Bible. And this is really a chapter about God's love for them, God's love for us. 
and what God's going to do through his plans and his love. We're going to dive into details in this chapter. Details are important when you take a look at God's plan. And ultimately, God's heart and God's hand form his plan. That's important because sometimes God's plan in life doesn't always feel good or make sense. And sometimes it's difficult. And when it's not clear and there's mystery and there's pain, we need to remember that God's plan is not just floating along like some doctrine or some blueprint or some game plan, but it's connected to his heart and his hand. And when you don't understand the plan, you can still trust his heart and you can trust his hand. They're connected. The goal here is that we would grow in our faith, and that word faith in the Bible means total trust. We want God, we want his plan, and we want to run with it together. God's plan, we're going to look at three essential elements tonight that are uh, just popping off the pages here. Three essential elements. It's a story in a situation that you'll probably never be in. I mean, it's an arranged marriage. And that's going to be unusual for our culture. And as you read this, you're going to think, well, I'll never be in this exact situation. But what I would put forth is that you are in this exact situation in a different sense every single day. Every single day, God's plan, what is it? And these three elements are really a gift. It's God's grace and a gift to you, just like it's a gift to Isaac and Rebecca and everyone else in this chapter. What are these three gifts? What are these three essential elements? The first one is clarity. With God's plan, we need his clarity. Genesis chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Abraham was now old and well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. He said to the chief servant in his household, the one in charge of all that he had, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. And this clarity, we all need God to reveal to make it known who he is, what his plan is. God reveals his plan in the Bible. God reveals his plan through the Holy Spirit. God is creative how he reveals his plan in our lives, but he reveals his plan. And as we start this chapter, there's a need. There's a problem to solve. Isn't that when we really feel uh, that urgency to hear from the Lord when there's a need, when there's a problem to solve? Here's the situation. Abraham is now well advanced in years. What does that mean? He's about 140 years old. They lived a little longer back then. God had blessed him in every way. God had also promised to him land, descendants. Now, he had a son, Isaac, who wasn't married. And now Abraham, in need, there's a problem to solve. He's thinking about the future. God is stirring his heart to think about the next generations. As you advance in years, and the more years that you have, I pray that your passion for the next generation grows. Your passion for the next generation continues to grow. And he's thinking about the future. He's thinking about if you have an important role, it's significant to consider who's your successor. Who do you train? Who do you raise up? Abraham is thinking about the future and what's to come in his line. And so he has a chief servant. Going back to Genesis 15, we read about Eliezer, this servant. And Eliezer is going to be in a matchmaker role. How would you feel to be matchmaker? Do you enjoy that? Have you ever done that? Uh, that can be a little awkward sometimes. 
Uh, if you know someone who's single, maybe you start saying, hey, think about calling this person. What about this person? And you start getting involved in a matchmaker role. Eliezer, I don't think he saw it coming, but now he's in a matchmaker role. That was common in the culture. And Abraham says, go to the distant land. Go to Mesopotamia, 450 miles away. Why? Because the Canaanites, they don't love God. And what he's saying is that for my uh, son, this isn't going to be someone who rejects God. For, for their marriage, no. Travel. Go the distance. Find that person. And I want to encourage you if you're single to not lower the bar just because you're getting a little lonely or a little impatient. Don't lower the bar and say, well, I just want to be with someone. I just want to feel loved. I guess this one right here will do. No, God, he has a direction and you trust him, you wait on him, and that's what um, Eliezer's going to do. Uh, not one of these ladies, not one of these ladies. Go ahead, keep traveling. There's a different lady. And uh, that's a word. Uh, if, if you're single, just to take that encouragement from the Lord. Now, as we go through this clarity, there's going to be some stages. And as we follow the Lord, God often reveals in stages. Sometimes he lays out a lot about our future in, in one download, but frequently it stages. The initial clarity here is that Eliezer, I want you to go to Mesopotamia to look for a wife for Isaac. There's some clarity, and with that clarity comes some commitment. Abraham says, go ahead, put your hand, I don't know exactly where it is, but let's just say the thigh region. Now, if one man tells another man to put his hand uh, in the thigh region, that is a, that's binding, that is the utmost commitment, that is a solemn oath, that is serious right there. Uh, they're not playing around. Commitment. God will initially start to reveal something to you, and it's important that you have full commitment. Eliezer is going to need full commitment as God starts to reveal, check your commitment. Where's your commitment to God's plan? Is it light is it moderate or is there a full commitment? Eliezer brings that full commitment and he knows the lineage is on the line. There's a lot on the line. There's a lot on the line in our lives. What God wants to do through you is going to be remarkable, but bring that commitment. That's initial clarity. And then there's a next step clarity. Let's go to chapter 24 and verse 10. Here's a next step of clarity. As God's leading Eliezer, then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and he left taking with him all kinds of good things from his master. And he set out for Aram, Nahorim, and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town, and it was toward evening, the time that the women go out to draw water. What's the next step clarity? Taking the camels to the, the water, the well there. It's about a mile outside of town. It's frequent that the ladies would come twice He's going to a place, and then he's waiting. God will lead you to a place. Not everything that's going to happen is revealed, but go to that place, and now wait and initiate. Wait and initiate. He's going to initiate, but there's a waiting first. Wait, initiate. He's ready. He's ready to take action, and he's ready to move forward as God's going to reveal more. Uh, here's the confirming clarity as you look at verse 12. We had initial clarity, next step clarity. Now God's going to bring a confirming clarity, verse 12. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today 
and show kindness, there's that hesed, your faithfulness, God, your kindness and faithfulness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring, and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. Uh, when you pray, just talk to God about how you're feeling, where you are, what you're doing. He already knows. Yes, he does. But it's that connection, that listening, that reliance. This it's is prayer. This is how we talk to God. And then he prays in verse 14. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now, it isn't good to put God to the test, the Bible says, but there also are times where we ask God for specific direction. And uh, it's a both and in Scripture. Sometimes people put God to the test and try to box God in and force him to do our will. That's not good. But there's other times where we're asking for specific direction. And that's what he's doing. What happens at the end of the prayer? Verse 15, amazing answer to prayer. Before Eliezer had finished praying, Rebekah came out with her jar on her shoulder. Right there. Wouldn't that be nice if being single and then getting married was that simple? I mean, wouldn't that just be a great way to go? It doesn't always work that way. You know, in commercials sometimes, you know, results may vary. This result doesn't always happen. Uh, praying and look up and there she is. Just a provision from the Lord. We know with singleness, more often there's a lot of prayers. Sometimes some loneliness. There's crying out to God. Sometimes you think it's somebody, but then it's not that somebody. You learn more about who they are than it's not. And then God redirects. And then there's perseverance. And then there's a, maybe there's a blind date that didn't work out so well. And there's another. I mean, it's an adventure. It's perseverance. It's trusting the Lord. And it's an honor to be single. Some people have a lifelong calling to be single. And with that, they're going to do remarkable things for the kingdom. We just hold everything like this before the Lord. And for some people, that's the hardest thing to surrender to the Lord. Will I be single? Will I be married? Uh, who do you say, Lord? Who are you directing me to? But that's the posture right here. God brings confirmation. And uh, there's no formula, but there's faith. There's initial clarity, next step clarity. There's a confirmation. God gives sufficient clarity. When you want to know his will, when you trust him, he's going to give you enough clarity that you need to move forward in faith. And that's what we see here. Now, I want you to think back in your life and times when God has given you clarity. What are some of those markers on your journey some of those landmarks, some of those milestones. It's important to remember those. I want to share a few from my life. I did not grow up believing that God existed. But when it was revealed who Jesus was, and I read the Bible for the first time in college, the Gospel of John, that clarity, I put my trust in Jesus. Best decision, by God's grace, I've ever made. Uh, I was a soccer player, goalkeeper. I thought I would do that till I'm 40. Goalies can play for a long time. God redirected my life to become a pastor. I never expected it, but it became clear. Uh, I was single till I was 34. You, know, you just don't know when you're single. When's God going to provide someone that's going to look like? And then Lori and I um, married the second best blessing in, in my life. And uh, another um, time where God brought clarity for both of us. Our family then moved from Iowa to California to Washington. Those were faith decisions. Uh, we rented 
initially, and then much later on, we bought a house. That saved us a couple hundred thousand dollars. God's timing and clarity, and when the market came down, adoption for our family. That was another uh, just very clear direction from the Lord. And then I think of um, some of the digital opportunities through ministry right now. I just feel such clarity. This week, we were able to bring the gospel to uh, the places in the world where there's the least amount of Christians and saw like over 10,000 responses. Just God is doing amazing things during this pandemic. And again, such clarity. These different steps, uh, clarity, let me ask you as we think about some different areas of your life, where do you need God's clarity? Is it job? Is it career? Leadership? Finances? Dating? House? Serving? Sharing your faith? Friendships? Family? Where do you need clarity? Uh, It's also, you know, as I think back about those different decisions, it's always clear you know, in the rearview mirror, hindsight's twenty twenty, very clear. But at the time, you know what? A lot of it, uh, sometimes when you're seeking God for clarity, there's some static on the line. <laughs> sometimes in God's plan, there's pain. There's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of negativity on those things. Like, they all sound wonderful now in my life. But you know what? With, with almost all of them, there was a lot of negativity and, and pushback in different ways. Uh, Apostle Paul says this, God's going to open a door for you, but there are many who oppose. So don't think that just because God gives you clarity, like, oh, it's going to be a piece of cake. Everyone's going to be cheering me on. This is going to be awesome. Uh, Grateful for these, but also, uh, you know, think about Jesus on the cross. Was that God's will and God's plan? It absolutely was. And that was the ultimate sacrifice. God might call you to lay down your day, your week, your year, your life. Your life. Uh, when we honor veterans, uh, we also have Memorial Day. And a lot of people have given up their life for this nation in what we have right now. So God's, even though this chapter kind of rolls along nicely, I don't want us to be duped into thinking God's plan is simplistic. Oh, it's not painful. There's no pushback. It's not difficult. We always just hear really clear from the Lord. No, it's a faith journey. But I'll tell you this, God wants commitment. And where there's commitment to Jesus, God reveals more. You bring your commitment and God will bring more and more clarity. He confides in those who fear him and trust him. Commitment and clarity go together. Uh, Jesus said it this way to his followers, chapter 14 in Luke, and uh, in verse 27, Jesus says, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Jesus is talking about following him in the vision, in the direction, in all it's going to cost. He says, won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And what Jesus is saying is, trust him with commitment. Trust him as there's clarity. Trust him to the finish line. And as he brings the clarity, continue to honor the Lord. Not just to start it, but to finish it by faith. And uh, that's the, again, uh, the clarity and the commitment, they go together in this chapter with Jesus and in our lives. And clarity is a blessing. Uh, A lot of times, I mean, if you ask God, maybe this week, God, what's your plan? What's your will? God, God, how are you directing? What are you doing here? And And those are great prayers. Those are deep prayers and sincere prayers. But I want to tell you, God answers those prayers and then God brings clarity. And 
as he brings clarity, the next thing that it leads to is the need we have for courage. Courage is another way of saying confidence in God. Confidence in God, God's heart and God's hand form God's plan. Eliezer's going to need courage to go on this journey. Let's go back to verse 5, and here we get a glimpse of what's going on inside of Eliezer's mind and heart, and I think we can relate. The servant asked him, Eliezer asked, what if the woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to the country that you came from? Make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household and my native land and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angels before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. The what ifs start in Eliezer's mind. You know, what if, God? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if it doesn't play out that way? What if, what if, what if? And we can get frozen by the analysis and the what ifs, and we start to worry and sometimes waver. And it's amazing how quickly we can go from like lots of pride and full of ourselves to, oh, there's no way it's ever going to work out. And we can swing those two instead of just walking down the middle, abiding, trusting the Lord. And he's starting to, you know, we would be the same way. What if, what if this happens? What does Abraham do? Like any great mentor, I pray that you are a mentor. I pray that you have a mentor. Abraham speaks calmness and confidence in God into Eliezer's life. No, this is the Lord our God. This is the God of heaven. This is the faithful God, the God with chesed, the God who's loyal, the God who's promised me descendants and land. Remember God's word. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done in your life. You can trust him going forward, and that's going to bring peace peace to Eliezer. We need to hear that voice for each other. Who God is, what has God said, and there's a conversation where God works through powerful conversations. Take a look at Proverbs together, and Proverbs, it's a book with so much of God's wisdom, uh, short, that deep statements that you can unpack. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline, and in the end, you will be counted among the wise. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. What, what does this tell us right here? Uh, listen to advice, not just any advice, but uh, walk with those who are wise. Walk with those who are honoring God. Choose your friends. And, uh, you know, you choose your friends, you're choosing your future. Uh, listen to the advice. Walk with the wise. Accept discipline. You're going to need people in your life who redirect you and, and make it plain and kind of get things straight, get things right. And in the end, you're going to be counted among the wise. Now, many are the plans in a person's heart. What does this tell us? We're coming up with plans all the time. Our brains are like a plan factory. Our heart, it's like going this way, going that way, going this way, going that way. It's just jumpy. I mean, we we want that plan. Was it that plan? Is it that plan? Our minds, I got this plan. I got this plan. I got this plan. I got this another idea, another idea. It all sounds great to me. Yeah, I think I'll do that. I think I'll do that. That's what, that's how we're, that's who we are right? Can you relate? Oh, what if we do this? I can do that. I can do that. I can move over there. I can go over there. I can do that. I can do that. That's who we are. Okay, slow down. Listen to the Lord. It's the Lord's purpose that you want. It's the Lord's purpose that you want. In other words, to say yes to God's plan, you're going to need to say no to a whole bunch of other plans. To say yes to God's plan, you're going to say no to a whole bunch of plans that you come up with and that you think initially are so great, And you're going to say no to a whole bunch of plans that other people are going to try to inject into your life. 
And instead, it's going to take courage to say no to your ideas that you're convinced are golden, but they're not coming from heaven. It's going to take courage, and I come up with those easily. Uh, and it's going to take courage to say no to other people and to trust the Lord. Eliezer's going on this journey. He's going 450 miles, 10 camels. He's taking gold. He's got treasures. He's got a lot of stuff with him. Let's see how it plays out. <clears throat> Verse 17. The servant <clears throat> hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough, ran back to the well to draw more water, and then drew enough for all his camels. Without saying a word, the man watched her closely to learn whether or not the Lord had made his journey successful. And when the camels had finished drinking, the man took out a gold nose ring, weighing a becca, and two gold bracelets, weighing ten shekels, overall a little more than four ounces. Then he asked, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? Uh, he initiates, and again, God reveals, it's going to take courage for him to keep moving forward and keep moving forward. It's going to take courage for Rebecca as well. So it's a mutual courage here. But what is God doing? He's bringing together Isaac and Rebecca, and he's doing it at a well. What does Eliezer look for? In the world, people say, look for, look for who has how much money. Look for, wow, do they look good? What are their clothes like? Ooh, are they physically beauty? Look at the outside. The world says outside beauty, things. Outside beauty, things, wealth, bank account. That's what the world says. Go for that person. The Bible Outer beauty, that's minuscule compared to inner beauty. What is he noticing? Faith, character, and attitude. She comes with water without being asked and serves up enough water for 10 camels. I know none of us here probably have camels, but I'm just going to tell you, that's a lot of water. Camels drink a lot of water. She's not just throwing in a quick extra drink. She's serving up without being asked for 10 camels. That's a woman of character. That's a woman of generosity. That's a woman with a godly attitude. That's a woman of faith. And the inner beauty, it just shines. It shines. What do you look for if you're single? You just chasing pictures on social media? Or are you looking for some depth? Someone who loves God is going to take care of you and, and has that kind of attitude that you want to be around your whole life. Faithfulness, hasid. That's the picture here. Bible cuts right to the chase. And uh, what happens? One more step forward, again with courage. And take a look at verse 22. Uh, when the camels had finished drinking, yeah, that's right, we covered that one. So let's go to 24. She answered him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, born to Nahor. And she added, we have plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. Then the man bowed down and worshiped the Lord, saying, praise be to the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness, his chesed, his faithful love, faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. Uh, where God gives the vision, he gives the provision. And uh, what, what's the theme you're catching throughout this chapter so far? Notice the continual prayer 
and worship. I want to point out to you a direct correlation in your life between prayer and courage. Worship and courage. The word and courage. If courage is running a little low in your life, it's time to start just abiding. It's time to start seeking the Lord. Humble and hungry. You say, how does it work? Humble and hungry. You come in prayer. You come in worship. You come to the word. Humble and hungry. Ah, oh, do we have to go to church again? That's not humble and hungry, you know. Ah, oh, the Bible's enough just at church. I don't think I need any more the rest of the week. That's not humble and hungry. Prayer meeting? Ah, oh, prayer meeting? That doesn't sound exciting at all. I've got like four shows that are better that hour. That's not humble and hungry. Humble and hungry. Humble and hungry. God will give you courage to face the Goliath in your life. But you got to spend time in the Word, time in prayer, fasting, worship, and courage will swell. It will swell. And so they're walking with courage. First, there's clarity. You think when God reveals it, it's going to be easy? No, it might be your 10th choice. Uh, when God reveals it, you're going to say, but this was more efficient. This was what I wanted. And God's going to say, this is the path. Forgive them. This is the path. You're like, oh, I think revenge is easier. I think resentment's easier. God's saying, this is my way. He's going to, again, reveal. He's going to make it plain. And then he's going to give you courage. He gives clarity. He gives courage. And it leads to the last thing. Check out verse 48. And the last one is collaboration. Clarity, courage, collaboration. Verse 48, and I bowed down and worshiped the Lord. The theme continues. It's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle, prayer, worship. I praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me on the right road to the granddaughter of my master. And uh, tell me, and if not, tell me so that I may know which way to turn. Uh, now in the home, Eliezer is sharing the story and sharing what happened. Here's the response. We have Laban, who's dad, and Bethuel, who uh, is the brother of Rebecca. And they answered, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go and let her become the wife of your master's son as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they said, he bowed down to the ground before the Lord. He's praising the Lord again. Uh, then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him, they ate and drank and spent the night there. And uh, when they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. These gifts were just a way of saying, we're going to take care of her. We value her. And the gifts were given. And it's kind of a celebration that's happening as there's common conclusion. This is from the Lord. Great words. This is from the Lord. You know that you know sometimes this is from the Lord. And uh, all this is a great celebration. Again, in that culture, so this is a little different than our culture, the brother gave away his sister. And he's the one. And uh, Rebecca's going to have a say here in a minute. Uh, she's going to uh, share some things in a minute. But here, the son is saying yes. The parents are saying yes. This is moving forward. And I want to encourage you as they're having their feast, when there's a great provision of God in your life, and there's a great breakthrough, and there's a great answer to prayer, just stay alert. Stay alert. Because there might be something awkward. There might be some tension. There might be a twist right after the blessing. This is what happens in verse 55. After they say yes, and they're getting ready to go back, take Rebecca and Isaac and bring them together. Verse 55, but her brother and mother replied. Now we got brother and mother saying, 
let the girl remain with us 10 days or so. <laughs> you see where this is going? Uh, don't leave yet. Uh, we're both saying she stays here another 10 days, but let's not put a limit on it, or so. Then you may go. Has anyone ever tried to slow you down when you know the Lord says now? There's a sense of urgency and conviction, and somebody says, oh, don't do that. Or sidetrack, sideways energy, like you're focused on what God wants you to focus on, and then all of a sudden you pick up your phone, and you start looking at social media, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, why did I get on the phone again? Oh, that's right, the Lord wanted me to text this person to encourage them, and right, you know, that kind of distraction, well, this is a distraction. Eliezer picks it up. He says, do not detain me now that the Lord has granted success to my journey. Send me on my way so I may go to my master. And then they said, let's call the girl and ask her about it. Rebecca, it's like, finally, she has a voice. Yes, <laughs> that's a good thing. So they called Rebecca and said, will you go with this man? And she said, full of faith, I will go. She has clarity. She has commitment. Now it's going to be collaboration. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed her. They blessed her. Uh, it's important. Even though it wasn't their first pick, they blessed her. They blessed her. They're listening to the Lord. There's a redirection, and they blessed her. And in the last verse, verse 67, they're gonna, um, Isaac and Rebekah are going to be brought together. Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. So she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. It's interesting the way God brings comfort. Sometimes it's through a marriage. Sometimes it's through a birth of a child, a grandchild. There's been a loss. Sarah's not with them anymore. But now look how God's providing. God's encouraging. It's God's timing. It's his comfort. Hesed. I said it's the theme. God's loyal love. And what kind of collaboration do we see here? We see a lot of hesed. We see a lot of kindness and loyal, faithful love. We saw Abraham who is unselfishly thinking about the next generation. Then we saw Eliezer, who's all about serving and traveled 450 miles and took courageous steps. Then we see Rebecca, who her attitude, her generosity, she's got a gentle serving spirit about her. And we see that faithful love. And then she's willing to go and meet this man she hasn't seen before. And that takes faith and that's loyal love. And Isaac is going to welcome her and take care of her. And uh, we also see uh, family, Laban, Bethuel, mom, blessing. They're blessing this union. And what do we see? When, when people abide and when people are trusting God's plan, we see a love that is so evident. When we abide with Jesus and we trust God's plan, God brings collaboration, unity. His plan is beautiful. And the beauty of this plan is revealed because people are walking in God's chesed love with one another. So let, let's review and close. What does God give us in terms of his plan and his will? God provides, he knows we need clarity. He provides clarity as we commit to him. He brings more clarity. That clarity shows us our dependency on God, how much we're going to need God, and we're going to need courage. So in a lifestyle of prayer and worship, God pours out courage into our lives. And as we look around, we realize I'm not running a solo race here. This is us together. And our lives are, they're intertwined. Heaven knows that we need each other. And Jesus prayed for unity. And this kind of unity, it's beautiful when it's happening in these relationships. It's collaboration. 
And this isn't just a simple love story that Isaac and Rebecca are now married and start this new family together. This right here, Genesis chapter 24, is connected to God's promises of land and of descendants. This miracle right here, uh, this bringing together, it's not the miracle that's like, wow, supernatural miracle. Nothing in this chapter pops of a supernatural miracle that we would say, I don't know, I'm skeptical. I mean, this is just God bringing together and forming a new family. And out of this, land, descendants, a new nation, a nation that's designed to bless other nations in God's glory. God is always doing far more than we see. We see Isaac and Rebekah coming together. God has so much more in mind. Peter and Cornelius, this unusual friendship. Here's Cornelius, a Gentile. Well, Jews didn't go near Gentiles. And what happened? God said to Peter, friendship with Cornelius, share the gospel with Cornelius, some people in the church were a little skeptical. God breaks through cultural barriers, cultural norms. Why? Because his family is people of all nations, cultures, tribes. God's doing this work. And you think, well, just Peter and Cornelius at Cornelius' house? No, the gospel's going to the Gentiles and everyone else in the world. And Peter's trying to share it with the church. It's Acts chapter 11. We'll take a look. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us. So he's explaining to other Jews, the Holy Spirit loves Gentiles, coming on Gentiles. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? One friendship, Peter and Cornelius, <clears throat> God spreads the gospel and affirms his love for all people and nations and tribes. Powerful. I want to encourage you with this. As God leads you, take that same humility. Who am I to think that I would stop God's plan? Who am I to quench the Holy Spirit? But instead, I'm going to take a small step of faith, Isaac and Rebekah coming together, that affected nations and generations. Peter and Cornelius coming together that affect nations and generations. I'm going to take a step of faith that might look small, but you know what? God has it connected to not just what you see, but the next generation is going to be blessed. The nations will be blessed. Don't despise that small step of obedience. And again, trust the Lord in what he wants to do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you how you're in the details. You're in our relationships. Father, thank you that you have a plan that we can trust because you are trustworthy. And Lord, I pray right now as we consider our own lives, God, help us to identify maybe the one thing that is holding us back. The one thing that is holding us back from saying, God, I'm in with your plan. I'm in. I'm committed. I'm in fully. If it costs my time, my money, my reputation, my career, my life, if it costs that, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Make that decision today. Father, we pray that you would bring clarity right now to our lives. We need clarity in 2020. We need your clarity, not the noise, not the many voices. Bring your clarity tonight, God, for anyone who right now is just wondering, God, what is the plan? God, bring clarity, reveal, initial, step by step. God, bring courage to those who are here right now who know what the plan is. They know the direction, but it's a tough road. 
God, bring courage through your presence and your promises. And Father, we pray for a greater collaboration, a greater unity together, ages, generations, uh, different cultures, nations, a, a collaboration that honors you, reflects who you are and your beautiful plan for our lives. We pray for unity in our church, God. We pray for unity amongst churches. We pray for your glory, Jesus, that this would happen. Guide our steps. We pray and commit it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this channel.